So we're celebrating the completion of the Torah. And I think it's a good time to look back and reflect and to say, what did we study and what can we learn? Of course, we study Torah. But what can the Torah teach us? What's the overarching theme of Torah that we can walk away with and say, this is what Torah taught us, and then again, revisit it when we come to Torah again? I want to suggest an approach based upon the fourth verse of this week's parsha, which is called Vezos HaBracha, which means this is the blessing. Moshe is on the last day of his life, and he gathers the nation together, and he gets all the tribes, and he gives them each a blessing. But there's a very important introduction to the whole parsha. And the fourth verse reads, Torah, Siva Lanu Moshe, Torah was commanded to us by Moshe, Morasha Kihilas Yaakov. It is the inheritance of the community of Jacob. And the Talmud says something very interesting. The word Morasha can also be read as Meurasa. Morasha means heritage or inheritance, or birthright. But Meurasa means betrothed one. Says the Talmud, the Torah is the Meurasa of Kehilat Yisrael. It's the betrothed one of the Jewish people. Interesting idea. Torah is like a spouse for the Jewish nation. Now, if you remember back in Exodus, we saw this idea before. In Parshas Truma, I guess it would be like 35 weeks ago, we saw the famous verse, You'll make for me a mikdash, make for me a tabernacle, and I will live and dwell amongst you. And the Midrash tells us that you have, it gives us a parable. You have a king who has a lovely daughter that he loves, his favorite daughter, only daughter. And some prince comes from a foreign land, and he's a worthy candidate to marry his daughter. And they marry, they have a big wedding bash and celebration. And after some time, the festivities are winding down, and the new husband says, okay, I'm going back to my land, and I'm taking my wife with me. And the king is distraught. You can't take my only daughter away with you? I can't depart from her. But to tell you not to take your wife, how can I do that to you? Let's make a compromise. Wherever you go, in your castle, have a spare bedroom for me. Ha- have room for me. So that way I can always be, vis- I can always be with my daughter. Says the Midrash, the Almighty gave us the Torah. It's ours. We take it. But he can't depart from it. Therefore, the Asuli Mikdash, made for me a tabernacle, made for me a temple, so I can always be there with my daughter, with the Torah. But what are we in the other example? We're the husband, so to speak. We're the spouse of the Torah. Again, we see this idea that the Torah is compared to this relationship of a husband and wife. And I think it's, it's surprising. You know, maybe we could say the Torah is the crown jewel of the Jewish nation. It's our pride. It's, it's our lifeblood. There's a lot of descriptions and classifications that we could give to Torah. We're told specifically it's a spouse. So what's the meaning behind this classification? So on a basic level, we could say that the Torah is not just something that we study, that we learn. It's not just an intellectual thing that we like to learn and visit and have touch points with. The Torah is a relationship. When it's a relationship, it demands commitment. When it's a relationship, it demands consistency. When it's a relationship, it demands fidelity. Says the Talmud, along these lines, when someone studies Torah inconsistently, that's akin to a person who does not have a set significant other. They may have a fling over here or a fling over there, but there's no relationship. 
at the end of Torah. We've gone through all of Torah. We started all the way with Adam and Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, Bamidbar. We're at the end now. It says the Torah. Torah tzivalonu Moshe, at the end of Torah, we have to remember, we're not departing from Torah. We're building a relationship that we're going to maintain and nourish and sustain and deepen. It's interesting. When they read the Parsha of Ezos Abraham, when they finish the Torah and Shul, immediately they go back to the beginning. Because now you realize it's a relationship. It's not the end. The end, you just realize that it's just the beginning anew. When we, we finished the Torah, yes. Can we say that, oh, I got that off my bucket list. I, I had a big reading list. Torah was on the list. I could check that box. No. We realize now, after studying goal of Torah, that it's a relationship. And when it's a relationship, we cannot abandon it. That's idea number one. I think on an even deeper level, this comparison of Torah to a spouse can teach us about what Torah really is supposed to do to us. The very first description of a spouse in the Torah was with Adam. Adam was alone, and Adam was miserable. And the Almighty says, Lo tov adam levado. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper alongside him, which is Eve. That's a description of a spouse. The Torah is telling us upon itself that the Torah itself is like a spouse. It's not good for a person to be alone without Torah. I will make him Torah to help him. Torah is our roadmap. It's our guide. It's our helper to achieve what it is we want to achieve in life. We want to have perfection of character. We want to have ethical refinement. We want to achieve the great stature that man can have. We want to become like angels. How do we do that? Through Torah. Torah is going to help us along those lines. And if you remember, if you look at the Torah, big picture, what's the story of Torah? I want to argue that the story of Torah in general is tracing the line from Adam to Moshe and tracing the development of man from when he was at his lowest point to when he's at his absolute zenith. Adam marks the degradation of man. Adam marks the time where man became less than an angel, became almost like an animal on a certain level. And then you have the whole Torah, which is bringing us step by step until we actually have achieved the completion and the Torah ends. The last chapter is dedicated to Moshe and dedicated to Moshe's legacy. And there's a link and there is a, a whole process traveling throughout the Torah to get from point A to point B. And that could be understood on so many levels. It could be understood on a national level. It could be stood on a individual level. Adam, initially, he was on top of the world. The Talmud tells us that Adam, his stature was misof ha'olam ve'ansofo, from one end of the world to the other end of the world, from the earth to the sky. There was, he, was, uh, he was limitless almost. And then what happened? He sinned and his stature was greatly diminished. Had he not sinned, he would have lived forever. Had he not sinned, we would have seen what a human can become when a human is like an angel. And the Talmud tells us that Adam was created circumcised, but he did a surgery to undo that. Now, what does that mean? What it means is, is that Adam was created without any flaws, like an angel. 
He did not have a Yetzer Hara, an evil inclination, within him. He was pure. He was untainted. The crown of God, so to speak, was evident, was palpable, was real. But he, with his decision to sin, he brought poison into the world and into himself. He undid this bind that man ought to have with God. Now, of course, he did it for a good reason. It was a calculated decision. But from then on, it's a a whole process. Adam did something. Let's see if we could perhaps undo it. Once Adam sins, God is suddenly obscured, almost like a foreskin. So the Talmud says that the Yetzirah is this veneer that obscures God from the world. And Adam said, I'm bringing it in. And instantly the world is, is broken. The world's darkened. The world's imperfect. The one absolute truth, the only absolute truth, the existence of God was now beyond our purview. The Talmud tells us that the Yetzirah is the foreign God. It's the ability to obviate the need for God. God's forgotten. And we're told that is a broken world. When the only true and independent reality is obscured from everyone by default, the world is fundamentally broken. And that's where Torah comes in. Adam is the introduction to Torah. The sin of Adam is, the, is why we need Torah. And we, we were given Torah, to fix the world with the kingdom of God. And the whole story of Torah from beginning to end is fixing and undoing and rectifying what Adam did. And we meet Abraham. And Abraham is the one to turn the table. He's going to turn the tide. He's discovering the idea of God. And he's going and lecturing and debating and making a movement and spreading the idea. The world of darkness finally has a beacon of light. And he's trying to achieve what we call tikkun olam, to fix the world and to re-enshrine God as the master of our world as well. Not just the master of the heavens, the master of here as well. And of course, he faces death threats and assassination attempts, but he forges ahead. Abraham makes the mission of tikkun olam his own. He chooses God, and God says, okay, I'm going to choose you and your descendants to be the people, to be who are going to be at the vanguard of completing what Abraham began and bringing the world to its perfection. And of course, the path is somewhat rocky and circuitous. Adam has a son, Ishmael, and that doesn't really work out so well. Read the story. And finally, Isaac comes, and Isaac is almost killed, and Sarah dies, and then we have Esau, and there's a lot of chaos. And Jacob has to deal with Lavan's shenanigans, and we have the story with the brothers, and we're slaves. And we're slaves for years and centuries. And we're slaves physically, and we're enslaved spiritually. And the Jewish people, they lose all hope for salvation. What's going to be with the Abrahamic dream? Perhaps it's the destiny of the Jewish people, but how will it be fulfilled? And along comes the most atypical leader of our history. A man who is very reluctant to lead, who is exceedingly humble. He's not a dynamic orator. People will say, he's not even one of us. He's an imposter. He's a traitor. He grew up with Pharaoh. He's one of them. And under his leadership, 
the people mature into a nation. There's the dramatic and miraculous exodus, the revelation at Sinai. Now the nation has its charge. We're united. We have Torah, and we could utilize Torah to perfect ourselves, and by extension, perfect the world. And of course, things go south again. There's many hiccups along the way. We have the golden calf, and the various complaints about the meat, and they're complaining, don't want to go back to Egypt, and the disaster of the spies, and Korach's rebellion. But what arrives at the end? Who's standing? You have Moshe, he's the last person there, and a nation that is cleansed of evil. And I think it's important for us to realize, kind of going back big picture, the Torah begins with Adam and it ends with Moshe. It begins with a world that gets broken. Adam allows the introduction of the foreign God within him that obscures the Almighty. And Moshe is representative of the world in its total completion, a soul that has been completely extricated from any hint of the foreign God. And Moshe restores the world or restores himself, the mini-world, to the way it was before sin. And our sages tell us that Adam was an amalgamation of all of humanity, and that Moshe is an amalgam of the Jewish people. Moshe is shakul k'neged shishim ribui. 600,000 Jewish people, souls of, they're equal to Moshe. What this is telling us is, yes, this may be the journey of the individual, but it's also the journey of our nation. Our nation, too, is following these lines. Indeed, we could perhaps say the Torah from Adam to Moshe is a microcosm of the journey and the destiny of Jewish history from a broken world to a fixed world, hopefully very, very soon with the arrival of Mashiach. But I think to us as individuals as well, man in Jewish literature is called Olam Katan, a small world. Just like the big world is broken and needs to be fixed, so too the small world has the same malady that the big world, the large world has. It too doesn't. Our world, by default, we don't recognize God. And if you actually look at the more advanced sources, you find that the development of a, of, of, of a child, it actually mirrors exactly what happened to Adam on an individual level. Everything you read in Genesis of how Adam is changing happens to every human because we're all a small world, a small world that is somewhat broken, but just like Moshe did, and just like the Torah is encouraging us to take from Adam to Moshe, we too are encouraged to follow this progression from Adam to Moshe as best we could. We begin our life, and unfortunately, God is obscured from our purview. We have a Yetzir Hara. We have a foreign God within us. Our life mission and goal is to clear away those distractions and perfect our small, small world through Torah and thereby perfect the world at large. How do we get from Adam to Moshe? Torah. The Torah is our map book. The Torah is our guidebook. The Torah is our helper. The Torah is our spouse. The Torah is our Ezer Kinedo. Of course, like the Jewish people at large, it's somewhat of a rocky road. There's obstacles. There's hiccups. There's roadblocks along the way. And we will falter. That's just the nature of, of life. But as Scripture tells us, 
What defines the tzaddik is not the fact that they don't fall, but it's what they do when they do fall. Sheva yipol tzaddik come. Seven times the tzaddik will fall down and rise up again and keep on forging ahead. Yes, we are completing the Torah. But now we know where we need to get to with Torah, we could go back and revisit Torah from the beginning with a fresh perspective and a fresh outlook and study it anew. Perhaps we could say the first round of Torah was to get the Torah into our mind and now we have to find the long journey and the difficult and perilous path of taking the Torah from our mind to our heart. And that, of course, is a lifelong journey and effort. In two weeks, we're going to start a new project. Perkyavos, the chapters of our fathers, what I like to call eternal and enhancing ethics. It's eternal because it's ethics from Sinai, but it's also enhancing. It's also relevant to us on our li- in our lives today. It's, it, it, it's invaluable instructions to better your life. But I think as we stand here together, finishing the Torah, I want to make a pledge. Belina, that we're not going to abandon the Torah and we're not going to abandon the weekly Parsha. Traditionally, when we finish the Torah, we declare chazak, chazak, finis chazak. Let us be strong, let us be strong and be strengthened. Additionally, we declare, hadrach alon, your glory of the Torah is on us. Now we've studied it. However, that's immediately followed, the hadron alach, we shall return to you. We will return to Torah. I'm committing Bli Neder to have a new Parsha podcast every week uh, with renewed vigor and renewed insight to study and grow and try to unlock the potential that we have within ourselves. And we're also going to have, of course, a new podcast for the Perkei Avos. Stay tuned for that. I want to wish a hearty Mazel Tov to all those who have completed the Torah. May you have much success in all your endeavors. May you grow and strive and ascend to greater and greater heights. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for listening. And thank you for joining me along this wonderful journey. Thank you.